Hello and welcome to KLC Corner, a podcast series from the team at KLC Recruitment where we discuss the topics all job seekers and employers are asking. Today I sit down with Stephanie Berry, the General Manager at KLC. How are you, Stephanie? I'm good, thanks, Liv. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Thank you for joining me today. Now, I understand that KLC Recruitment often run resume writing and interview skills technique sessions with candidates looking to perfect their resume and brush up on their interview skills. So this week I'd like for you to delve into some of the resume tips that you so often teach our candidates. And then in next week's episode, I'll pose the questions about how to prepare for an interview. So do you want to go into it a bit for me? What what do you do at KLC? What is this service? So I think in terms of writing a really good resume, a really good CV, um, there is no one size fits all approach. And that's something that for me is really important. So when we have people that come to us, candidates that come to us and they want to engage in the service, um, I don't have a template. We don't have a cookie cutter resume template that we utilize. For most people, the resume that they have is something that they may not have updated for 10 years because they haven't left that workplace or um, they may not have one um, or they may have one and it just needs a bit of TLC. So most often um, or more often than not, what my approach would be is to use what the person already has and to build on that. Um, And there's many reasons for that, number one, I don't want it to look like everyone else's CV. Um, Number two, there's already some really great stuff, some powerful information in someone's resume, but it also is a reflection of their personality and the way that they've set their resume out and how they've formatted it. So for me, it's about building on what they already have. And sometimes for some people, we might need to do more building and for others, we don't need to do as much building, Um, but it's still a reflection of that individual. So um, I suppose there is no one size fits all but in terms of where we even go to from the beginning it's looking at what we have and then working on how we build from that yeah awesome so I guess we'll start from the beginning when someone comes to meet you for one of these resume writing sessions what do you normally go through with them first how do you how do you delve into their past and and put it all out on paper so I think for and whether this is you're coming to engage in our service or you're looking for tips to write a resume yourself the first thing you need to do is actually stop and take some time and work out what it is that you've actually done in your journey so for some of us it might be that you have three years of working experience and for some it might be that you have 35 years of working experience Either way, it's daunting. So for me, if I was helping out someone, I would interview them to get to know and get to understand what their journey's been. So that's everything from what roles they've held, um, the dates and timeframes that they've held those roles. So they're really key points on your resume, obviously, including your roles, the dates and timeframes, the organisations that those have been with. um, And then I would delve deeper into what was actually involved in those roles. And I think... Um, And probably one of my big tips to people is don't just use your resume as a static document where you list the things you've done. That's great, but where you elevate your resume to the next level is if in your responsibilities um, or even in an achievement section for each role, you're actually able to bring some metrics um, or some examples into your resume. So instead of saying things like, Uh, assisting in customer service it might be uh, 
implementing X strategy that improved overall customer service by X percentage. So for me, if I'm looking at a resume, and it doesn't matter if you're going for entry level roles or senior level roles, those are the things that jump off a piece of paper to someone. So the metrics. So you need to be able to quantify what you're actually saying you've done with the statistics and the examples to back it up. No different to if you were sitting in an interview. Yeah, definitely. And with the formatting of a resume, do you find that you know there's one size that fits all? Do you try and get people to do the same type of format or or does it is Absolutely it not. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely not. Um, again, as I mentioned before, I, I still want the resume to be a reflection of someone's personality. So when it comes to formatting, yes, there are some key things that you should ensure that you're doing. So, uh, you know, making sure you have the same font consistent throughout your resume, uh, not having anything in size, so a smaller than a size 11 in terms of the size of the font that you're using. Um, white space is your friend in a resume. So I think often people get scared of having white space yeah. on a resume and they try and put every single detail, including what they've had for breakfast that day on their resume. And that's actually not a good reflection of yourself because this is a tool to sell your ability. So before you even get to see someone, get to meet them, get to present yourself in a face-to-face -face capacity, you need to be able to sell yourself on paper. And this is the first in that you get. So formatting, whilst I, I wouldn't say, and I would encourage people not to get the word template that everyone <laughs> seems to use. And that's not because there's anything wrong with it, but we've seen it a million times before. Use that as a guide, but then create your own version. So headings, you know, in bold or italics, um, if you're using dates throughout for when you've been employed, if you start using the month and the year, don't just flick to the year halfway through, ensure that you're consistent in your approach. So again, there's no right or wrong, it's what you feel best suits you, but consistency is key. So you want to make sure that whatever it is that you're presenting out to that big wire world is consistent, well formatted, has a good amount of white space. Um, and if it's a role that is specifically asking for a particular qualification or a particular course, whatever it might be, bring your education up to the top of your resume. So have your personal details. If you so feel inclined, a little synopsis about you or what your objective is. Again, you don't need to have that. If your resume is already quite lengthy, I would say maybe get rid of your objective. Um, but if it's if you've had one or two roles and you're looking to sort of beef up your resume, then by all means, Put that mission statement or that objective in, but make sure it's reflective of the role that you're applying for in line with your experience. That's when I would then go into education and qualifications. And again, your education or qualifications or maybe training courses, depending on how many you've done and the scope and the volume, you can separate that out too. So if one of the uh, key selection criteria for a role is that you have to have a bachelor in say social work for example but you've done 25 training courses through your last employer maybe let's separate out education put that at the top of the resume so people can see that you've got your bachelor and your masters in social work tick tick your experience and then at the end of the resume you can bring in training courses or other qualifications they're still relevant to the role however they weren't big ticket items in terms of needing that to progress to the next stage Perfect. So 
Another example, what if I had 35 years worth of work experience? How would you, how would you advise me to put that on my resume so it doesn't go for 15 pages long? And that's a great question because a lot of people fall into a trap of I need to have everything on my resume in great depth and detail and they do end up with a 15 page resume. Um, so the 35 years of experience, probably for me, most of it, it may not be like for like roles that is directly relevant to the role you're applying for, but I would say that there would be transferable skills in some of those roles. So if you find that you're applying for, say it's a senior management role and the last 10 years worth of roles is where you've had your management or leadership experience, those would be the roles I would focus on the most in terms of having the most information, the most dot points, sections with achievements, to really sell the experience that's in line with the role that you're applying for. I would then probably look at the next couple of roles, whether or not they are um, overly impactful in terms of the role that you're applying for. If they are, I would still have information, but maybe not as much as the first 10 years. Mm -hmm. And then if it gets to a point where you're going, well, the couple of years prior to that, I sort of worked, I worked in some retail roles or I started in some admin, you can just then put the roles under previous employment. If you need to be questioned on those, if the person that's looking at your resume thinks that those are relevant, they will ask you the questions. Um, but I would say more often than not, you just need to choose which roles you think are most relevant in terms of the role you're applying for and really draw out your experience in those roles. Yeah, definitely. Now, what is your advice on cover letters and key selection criteria? So I think for, for those who have never even heard of a key selection criteria, it is um, your set of uh, key areas that are presented in a position description. Um, we see them more often than not in government roles or government funded roles. So um, a lot of the time, you know, universities or government funded not-for-profits will have those. Um, it's, they are, statements so they're not questions and I find a trap that people often fall into is seeing it as a statement and answering it as a statement as opposed to a question so what you need to do and this is a real skill with a with a key selection criteria you need to look at the selection criteria and you need to answer it as if it was a question so the statement the key selection criteria and the statement they pose might be qualifications in ABCD. So you then need to answer that question as if it, sorry, you need to answer that statement as if it was a question. So that's where you would say that you obtained X qualification from X university. You've then gone on to use that in XYZ examples. So you can't just look at a statement and answer it with a non-exampled answer. You have to have examples and this goes back to you've you have to pull out statistics, percentages, dollar values, um, increases, number of people people that you've managed, um, you know, any any project you've worked on, any achievements. It doesn't matter how big or small. Anything where you um, have improved a process, you've made a change that's been impactful in a business or has shaped your role, the role that you've been in. Those are the things you need to put on there. So the rule of thumb is no different to the resume and it's no different to your interview. 
you need to have substance behind what you're doing. Um, and I often see with key selection criteria, people will fall into the trap of talking in very broad, general terms because the statement is quite broad and general. So my number one tip is look at the statement and then pose it to yourself as a question and you'll find that the answer that you give will be fact-based and will be a lot more impactful than if you were just to answer a statement in very broad terms. Yeah, cool. And where would you include this case selection criteria? Would you put it within your cover letter? Would you send it as a separate document? That probably depends on what the organisation has requested. Um, and this is also probably leads into a point really nicely. People need to read the submission instructions. So if the submission instructions are asking for a cover letter, a key selection criteria and a CV and they're three separate dot points, that's three separate documents. Um, it might ask for you to address the key selection criteria as part of your cover letter. So again, read very carefully because they're asking for one document. And that comes down to, and I know it may sound silly, but for some hiring managers, if people can't follow the simple instructions on how to apply properly, for them it does leave a bad taste in their mouth, especially if they are being inundated with applications they are more likely to be drawn to the applications where people were able to follow the instructions. So there is no blanket rule. Um, I think for the key selection criteria, if you've got probably six criteria that they've posed to you and between five to seven criteria is more standard in what I've experienced, no more than two to two and a half pages maximum. Because at that point you are becoming a bit of a waffler in your writing and you're actually not using fact-based, evidence-based examples. Um, and in terms of a cover letter, I think what people need to remember with a cover letter too is that you need to include examples in your cover letter. So even if a role doesn't have a key selection criteria, they will have, and whether it's a PD or the advert that they've posted on Seek or Indeed or wherever, they will have key responsibilities, key duties, key areas. So if they've listed 20 of those, don't address all 20 in your cover letter, but pull out three, four, five of them that you think you have really good examples for and address those in your cover letter. Because for me as someone that's reviewing that application, I am automatically drawn to the fact that you've got an example around stakeholder management. You have an example around customer service or improving customer service processes. I'm automatically drawn to the fact that you've implemented leadership change and that's the example that backs that up. So your cover letter still needs to be structured as a cover letter, addressing who it's to, dating it, signing it off, and don't be afraid to call up and ask who you should be addressing your cover letter to. Um, but it, it is no longer a statement of hi hiring manager or dear hiring manager my name's Olivia and I'm looking for no tell them why they should hire you give them the examples that back up what they have put in their position description or their job advert that are actually showing them why they should hire you yeah that's great because I know a lot of people do get very confused with the whole cover letter situation and and how to go about that and another thing that I find people do get confused on is references what is your tips and tricks with references? Should people list their references on their resume? How many should you have? What type of references? 
So again, and this is my personal opinion, and I, for me, this goes for roles at any level, whether it is, again, entry level or senior or executive management roles. When you ask someone to be a reference, first things first, you need to ask them if they're going to be a positive reference for you. Please don't just ask them if they're going to be a reference, ask them if they're going to be a positive reference for you. And if at that point that they are happy and willing to be a positive reference for you, then they are actually doing you a favor. That's 10, 15, 20 minutes of their life that they're giving up to speak positively about you to a potential employer. So my advice would be in terms of your references on your resume, my rule of thumb is always references available upon request. And you should have those already typed up on a separate document. So then if they are requested, you're ready to send them. You, you are also well within your right to ask for time to contact your references to let them know that an employer is going to be reaching out to them. And the reason why I say references available upon request is because I would love to say we live in a world where everybody works to best practice when it comes to recruitment and HR, but unfortunately that's just not the case. And I have had, I've been privy to, or I've had candidates make me aware of the fact that other businesses have contacted their references without their permission and before they've even interviewed with a client. So again, if you are making your references details available to the whole wide world, there's nothing to stop them from getting an unsolicited call. So it is your reputation and that's at stake. So if you truly, really want that job, but you're applying for a few of them, you don't want a reference to become disgruntled because they've been contacted 75 times. The most impactful reference statements that we see or reference checks that we see are when we allow people the time to call the reference, let them know that we will be calling and a, and a good recruiter or a good HR or hiring manager will actually say, I'll give you some time if you want to get in contact with your reference and you let them know that Olivia from KLC is going to be calling you to conduct a reference check. Therefore, they're expecting the call. You can, We can even schedule that at a time that works for them and they're in a better headspace to do the reference check as opposed to being called on the fly when they're in the middle of something or they've just stepped out of a meeting that has gone poorly and they're in a poor headspace. Whether you like it or not and whether it's fair or not, that can actually reflect on yourself in the reference check that's been conducted. Yeah, that's very true. We do so often see that at KLC. Um, I guess that's all for today. I think next month we will delve into the interview skills techniques because that's a whole nother chapter. Um, if you are listening to this podcast, we do have some great resources on our website in the way of blog posts um, and other material that you can look over to get some tips on your resume writing. Um, if you do have more questions or you do want to book in for a resume writing or interview skills techniques session, feel free to get in contact with KLC recruitment. So that is it for this week's edition of KLC Corner. We look forward to you joining us in the next edition. And remember, if you have any questions or topics that you want covered, send us an email or hit us up on our website. Thanks again for joining me, Stephanie. My pleasure. Good luck, everyone.